Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pot Strickland. I'm your host, Renee Poon. This is episode 360. I am joined by first-time guest of the pod. You may know him uh, on Twitter. He is at Brian Giberman. His name is also Brian Giberman. Brian, how are you doing on this, uh, I guess, Thursday evening, Thursday night for me, Thursday evening for you? Yeah, taping this in my office because I don't have podcast equipment anymore. Well, there you go. Well, as long as you have it somewhere, that's all we need. Uh, but before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first people that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strick.land on Instagram. We're posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, if you've not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That'd be a huge help to us. Also, leave us a comment. That would also help. The Strickland also has merchandise. I'm wearing some of it right now. Yes, we will be talking about the person who's on this piece of merchandise today. Uh, but you can find that on our website, which is at www.thestrict.land. There's a link that'll take you to the merchandise store. And you can find all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it, we've got it. The Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland's podcast that I host every Friday with Prez except when he's celebrating the holidays of his family. You also get access to Takes from Obvious Bozos, our newest podcast that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, along with Zach Blatter. And now you also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod where I rant and rave with the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you also get access to Strictly NFL, which you guessed it is our NFL podcast that comes out once a week that is hosted by Constantine Metricos and Jeffrey Rasmussen. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits. Like listening on party recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially ghosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online, our sponsor. All the major sports are in action this week. With the college football playoffs ready to kick off, Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports radio info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, well, Brian, we were supposed to record this on Tuesday, but we had uh, I had a little delay. But I think this worked out to our benefit uh, because. Yesterday was a rather eventful game for a number of reasons uh, against the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Knicks lost 129 to 120. Um, that is not why it was eventful. It's not eventful that the Knicks lost. It was eventful for how the Knicks lost, or at least partially in, in, in for why the Knicks lost. Um, I don't know. I mean, where do you want to start with this? Because I think a lot of this stuff is pretty tied together in terms of, look, you, you can criticize Tom Thibodeau's decision-making. You can criticize R.J. Barrett, quite honestly, playing horribly in that game. Um, you can even criticize the front office for creating a logjam and roster crunch and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I'm, you know, wherever you want to start, you, you feel free to go and, and we will pick it up from there. Let's start with Tibbs, because I think 
one thing as I've watched him kind of over the last four years is there's parts of him that I've actually grown to really like. I think he does some very smart stuff that I wasn't really informed about until you start watching him on a nightly basis. Like the infrastructure, like people talk about the hustle and all that. And that that's not really what I think makes him a good coach. Like they kind of think of him as like, Oh, everyone tries really hard for him. And there is some of that, but the structure he creates for his teams where just the valuing of the extra possessions, where the defensive rebounding, the offensive rebounding, the low turnovers, now they're forcing turnovers, the shot profile he tries to create. That's all really smart stuff. And I mean, if you go back to the 12-13 Knicks, that, that, that's how they won games. And so to have that back again and a coach who values that stuff is very good. Now, how I kind of look at it is he's a, co- a baseball manager that has some good qualities but can't manage his bullpen. And that other stuff, it ends up hurting you because how he's running the rotation and the structure of it. If With him, here's the thing, and I think it, this gets right into the quickly RJ thing. Because of how Tibbs runs the rotation, he needs to start his best lineup like the best lineup needs to play because those players are going to play the most minutes most of the time. Uh, There's basically one guy in the starting lineup that doesn't play the most minutes. And then Josh Hart gets that run. But for the most part, who's in the starting lineup has to play the most is going to play the most minutes because he doesn't make a sub till five 30 to four 30 left in the quarter. And then for that, those guys to play, they have to just play the rest of the hat, the rest of each half straight through. So it's just, it's a balancing act. Like I try, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because I do think those things he does well is really good. And when you're not as talented of a team as the better teams, the easiest way to make that up is having more possessions than other teams. So I just, it's the dichotomy of it all is hard. It's, hard to grasp and hard to really latch on to. So what I would say is like, <clears throat> I actually hundred percent agree with you. There were, I was actually in support of them hiring Tibbs just cause I was like, I think he's, I have consistently said this and I still believe this. Like, I think he's undervalued and underrated in terms of his ability to develop players. Like he's had a pretty good track record of that going back to his time in Chicago like, yeah, I mean, Derrick Rose is whatever. He's the number one pick. You're not going to count him. But a guy like Joe Kim Noah, yeah, he was good before Tibbs. He got a lot better under Tibbs. He had a fucking defensive player of the year under him. He finished fifth in MVP voting under him. And he did it in a way that, like, like you know, what was he? Like, he averaged, like, five assists a game that year. It was a wild thing. Um, Luol Deng, Jimmy Butler, Todd Gibson. Like, yeah, I'm not – you always give the majority of the credit to the players. But when these many guys develop under you – it says like clearly whatever you are doing as a coach doesn't hinder that. Um, and I think there are coaches like we've seen a guy like Fisdale, right. Who came in and was like, Oh, I'm just going to let guys do whatever they want. And you're like, yeah, maybe that's not a great thing. Like maybe that's actually stupid and bad. Um, and I, I think like structure to a certain point definitely helps. And he definitely provides structure, which you spoke to. Um, what I do think is the case though, is at a certain point, he doesn't, he's not able to see beyond 
his own biases as a coach, which a lot of times involve like, oh, this person isn't X size, so they can only play this role along with these players. Um, and I don't think he's he's not flexible in terms of like, I mean, like we saw like last night, like I, I, I get why like maybe you run Todd out there in the first half just because it's like fine, whatever. After you saw him in that first half run, you should immediately adjust and be like, okay, I just have to change my rotation so that Randall plays some minutes at the five and I go from there. And instead you get the second half where it's like, nope, still going to have Taj at the five. And I think Taj was a minus 16 in 12 minutes, which look, we can talk about the rest of the game, but like that was as, you know, uh, as big a reason as anything for why the Knicks lost the game is you're putting Taj in a matchup against a super athletic team that plays five out basically all the time. Um, and asking him to cover space that's just criminal at his age. Okay, so that, that's and and that's just like a very low hanging fruit example of the lack of flexibility you see from him at times. Um, and the last thing I'll say is like you mentioned in terms of like if you're not as talented as some of the best teams. Yeah, look, I agree the Knicks are not as talented as the Boston Celtics or the fucking you know the Bucks or whatever. There's four or five teams you can name that they're not as talented as. But I think. There's enough evidence now based on the last couple of years that one, maybe us as fans and like myself included, this is not just me. Um, although I think I was always higher on this team's talent than a lot of people. I think we might've underestimated the talent existing on the roster. And two, like, is he really optimizing what we have? Because like, as an example, Jalen Brunson's a killer. He's awesome. Uh, he's everything the Knicks could have hoped for when they signed him and, and, and then some. Do I really believe the Knicks are totally optimizing everything he can give you? I don't. And I say that because, like, so much of Tibbs as a coach involves him designating, like, three or four guys as, like, okay, you're going to be the the hubs of my offense. And what that involves is I'm going to try to create mismatches for you, and then you have to go create. You've got to go take advantage of that. And that's the mismatch. And And – to what you're talking about in terms of the space, he's hundred percent moved with the times in terms of like what a proper shot shot profile should look like, what the shots you should be hunting are. But what I don't think he's ever really like changed is how he derives those shots and how he derives those shots is his best guys commanding attention and help. And then them making the right reads. There's very little anything going on in the offense that isn't that, that like makes life easier for them. It's all about them making life easier for the supporting cast. And I know that sounds like to some people that might sound like stupid and maybe even like, what is it really the difference? I would say to go watch the way, and I don't think this is perfect either, but I would say go watch like the way Kerr used Steph Curry versus Mark Jackson. There's a difference. Um, and I'm not saying Jalen Brunson or Emmanuel Quickly or Steph Curry or Clay Thompson or whatever, or that we have a Draymond Green, but I do think that there is a lack of imagination with this roster in terms of like what guys could be versus just being like, well, this is what I need them to be. And this is what I want them to be. And I'm going to keep like that. That's just, I'm going to keep banging the hammer against this nail until it fits into the hole pause uh but like (laughs) but like 
but like that's just that's just what it is with him and i i don't know like i i feel like at a certain point and i think this gets to the quickly rj thing where it's like at a certain point when you're valuing size and pure ability to get to the rim at times versus like the actual efficacy of those things and and players and lineups you're hitting a ceiling and i'm really not sure that that's ultimately the ceiling of this team even if i also agree with the idea that this is not a team like fully optimized they're going to become a contender i do think they need another injection of talent i guess where i stand and i'm not sure i i genuinely don't know where you stand on this is that like i think the gap between them and a team like boston or Milwaukee, or whichever teams you feel are the favorites. Let's it's... separate Boston and Milwaukee. So I think they're very, very far away from Boston. Milwaukee, I don't think they're far away from. I think they could put up a fight in a series against Milwaukee. Right, and I and I, I don't, I mean, whatever. Getting that, that part aside of, like, maybe how we feel about the gap between those teams is, I don't want to get into that because I think that's taking, like, my point is more like, I think the gap between, fine, if we want to say Boston's the type of category, fine. But the gap yeah. between New York and like Milwaukee and Philly to me is not just about talent. I, I don't think it's just that. I think I think that gap is a lot smaller than the way it's perceived at times, and maybe even the way, not even maybe, the way that Tibbs perceives it. Let's so an example from last night, Mark Dagnow. Am I pronouncing his name right? The OKC coach? Yeah, I think so. I'm so sure so so they almost never play Davis Bertans. He knows that, and this isn't a shot at Julius. Julius has been fucking amazing. No, the it's, last it's pointing three, out. I know exactly weeks. what you're going to say. It's, it's pointing he, out just a flaw of him as a player. Yeah, but he knows that Julius will fall asleep on a stretch four that he's guarding. He puts him in at the end of a quarter, and he steals three points by Bertans hitting a three. Right. When yep. does Tibbs do? anything like that the only thing he'll do is he'll be like oh uh, we have the last possession let me just put brunton in but to your point it's not about targeting like a player's weakness it's about let me just get my best guy in yeah he will like he'll bring in brunson for end of quarters plays but just isolating that julius has this flaw that he occasionally falls asleep and just stealing three points. Like you knew right when I saw Bertans on the court, I was like, Oh, I know exactly what this fucker's about to do. And it happened. I was like, damn, damn. And that hurt them because they closed the second quarter awful. They closed the fourth quarter awful. All right. When click, when quickly left the game and he was so close. This is what bugged me about Tibbs last night is that he actually played quickly longer in the first half than he normally does. He was so, so close to handling that first half. Right. And if he just would have kept them in, and not had him leave the game, they probably, it's closer, what, they were down nine at the half? What what did it end up being at halftime? Whatever it was. Eight or nine, eight or nine. Yeah, it, it, would, digits, but it, was right yeah it would have been a closer game if he would have just left quickly and heart in. And then to start, he did the same thing to start the third quarter. Now, the starting lineup did better in the third quarter than I was expecting because DiVincenzo got hot from three. Randall started playing really clean basketball. Randall was, was awesome in the, the second half. Yeah, as good as I've seen him play all year. Just getting to the rim at will in a matchup that was – it was a good matchup for Randall last night with Holmgren at center and Jalen Williams at forward. Like, going into that game, I was like, all right, they're going to dominate them on the glass and Randall's going to get to the rim. It's a perfect matchup for them to exploit those 
two things. But the the turnovers obviously balanced some of that out and, and killed them. Because Jalen was Jalen had a weird game last last night. Like he was still good, but there was he was a little his decision making was a little off well, at times. Yeah, the the end of the third quarter with him. So like he had this stretch which. I point. I, I said, at, yeah. So he, at the top he, of the key. Oh. yeah. He hits. He hits quickly for a three, which was like a beautiful possession. They had these two possessions where it's like in a row. Where the first one, quickly, and him have this awesome chemistry. Where like Jalen's the ball handler, and quickly keeps screening for him and screening for him until they get what they want, and they go. And like the first one, Brunson gets to the line, he draws a foul, gets to the line. The second one, he hits quickly for a three, drains it. But then the next two possessions, the first one, OKC starts trapping him before he even gets across half court, basically. And instead of just throwing it to quickly, who's fucking wide open, he tries to, like, press his advantage, gets into trouble, and then throws it out of bounds because he's out of control, trying to get it back too quickly. The second one, he over-penetrates, and he gets a charge, right? I, I think that's what it was. Yes. And it's just like, though, like, yeah, yeah, it was, he has these games sometimes where, and I think some of it was, like, what he gets into is, and I think Julius has this. I mean, every star player has this, to be honest. But, like, he gets into these games where he's like, why aren't you calling this foul? Why aren't you calling this foul? Why aren't you calling this foul? And, like, while I sympathize with him, one, get the fuck over it. Two, like, dude, you're super physical. Like, so, like, sometimes they might not, they might just be like, hey, buddy, like, I see that little fucking shoulder you're throwing in there, and I'm not calling that. So just deal with it. And I, and, then, and to be completely honest, I thought the whistle last night, I know there were people complaining about it and both teams complained about it. I thought it was fine. I had no problem with that at all. I just, I stay away from ref stuff. That's just pretty much a hard, fast rule for me. Like I'll joke about it, but I just, I just think the refs stink and I don't complain about it. Good or bad. Like I, that's just where I stand with the refs. You're better man let's, than me. Let's go to, <laughs> cause I think, I think the big story from last night is the RJ quickly stuff. And the thing with RJ I've never I feel like I feel like a broken record because it's the same conversation we've been having for five years pretty much at this point. I think there is a good player in there. But until he accepts what that player is, it's not gonna happen. He can't he just flat out you right now, he's at forty two percent from the field. He's on thirty-three point like just under 34 from three under 47 percent from two you can't you can't be taking 15 shots a game and having a 27 usage and with that volume now if he had those stats and he's taking nine shots a game looking to be a better passing more not being a better passer utilize passing his his best offensive skill it's been the same thing since he was a rookie it's been the same thing since he was at duke but all but his mindset is he has to score and if he was willing to change his mindset and be more of a connector put more energy into defense rebound drive and kick drive and he hits hardenstein on those like when they run pick and roll at times he makes nice passes in the pick and roll when he puts his mind to it. He sees the floor well, but he just chooses not to make those plays. If he was willing to take nine to 12 shots, increase his passing volume, play off the ball more, not take, like if you go through his NBA tracking stats, like his shooting percentages, when he with like holding the ball for more seconds and taking more dribbles, it's disgusting. Like it's gross. 
when he with zero or one dribble or a short amount of seconds, his percentages are fine. So until he is willing to accept the player he is, or just but you have to make more shots. And at this point, I don't, I don't see it. He still can't hit a basic pull-up jumper off the dribble. So until that changes and until his mindset changes, he can't play as much as he's playing and he can't be like just the third guy quickly can hit shots off the dribble. He's a better spot up shooter. He creates for himself much better because he has the floater. He can finish at the rim. He has the pull-up jumper. He can hit off the dribble threes. He can hit spot up threes. It's just, he's just a better player. He's the third, right now, he is the third best player on the team. And they're not, as you pointed out, they are not going to hit their ceiling until he gets treated accordingly. And just maybe it doesn't work, but try it for 15 games. That's what other coaches will try something. Like, did the Sixers know that Tyrese Maxey was going to work as a number two option? No, they did not. And it's gone better than I would bet even they expected. Because they he wanted gave to it keep Harden. He wanted to keep Harden. Yeah. Like, yeah. And if it doesn't work, you can always go back to things. Like, that's, like, you don't have to, like, his beliefs, this, and this, this is back, spinning it back to Tibbs and his core beliefs. He believes in continuity in lineups. And he doesn't trust players to mix and match. He wants to play groups of five for long periods of time. And within that groups of five, he wants length to match up defensively. Those are the two most important things that he believes in when building a rotation. So when you have quickly and Brunson, he'll, he'll basically play one small guard at a time. He doesn't want to play two small guards because he's worried about matching up defensively. I went back and looked through like Heinrich stuff earlier today. And like, he wasn't, (laughs) he played Heinrich like a little bit with DJ Augustine, but he wouldn't play Heinrich with Nate Robinson Rose was, I was kind of surprised. I thought Heinrich and Rose were on the team together, but they never played together. And I was curious if he used them, but you look through all this. That's why the Ronnie Brewer stuff, like the Keith Bogans, like he's done this his entire career. And with how this Knicks team is constructed, Brunson quickly and Randall are the best three players on the team. And until quickly gets treated more like he's one of the best players on the team versus oh, maybe on this night I'll play him and this other night I'm not going to, they're not going to reach their potential, whatever that potential is. Because maybe I've been holding off on it. Like, I think it's a little bit of a stretch to say quickly could turn into like a maxi type player, but I'm a little bit more open to it than I was earlier in the season. So so where I bridge that divide is like, I don't think if you put, if you switched quick and maxi and you were like, IQ, go be the fucking lead point guard for this team and, like, do this every night. We need you to average, you know, fucking 26, 7, whatever the hell Maxie's averaging. We need you to do this every single night. I don't think he can do that. I'll be completely honest. I don't think he can do that. But I do think that if you put him next to two guys that can get you those offensive engine numbers, he is a guy that amplifies them on both ends of the floor. He'll always find... he oh He's like... He just knows how to fill in the gaps. He knows how to give you value. He'll always find ways. And, like, you watched that game last night. He turned off. Like, Isaiah Joe's a hell of a bench player. He's really good. Go, like, if you watch OKC, and he fucking turned off his water. Like, he hit one three, which was a super difficult three. Like, it was like a sprinting into it in transition. Quick still close. Like, he turned off his water, shut him down. I think Joe made one other shot on him the other night. 
which was like this difficult, super difficult reverse layup in the fourth quarter. Um, but like he just knows how to find ways to find value. And I I don't know, like I, the way I'll put it is like, I don't think Quick could do what Maxi does in Maxi's role. I don't think Maxi could do what Quick does in Quick's role. Like, I don't think he could just give you the value he does being like, hey, that's cool that you can create shots, but we need you to like play off Brunson and Randall right now. And I don't think his value is the same there. Maxi's individual creation skills, I would say, are just like a little bit smoother than Quickly's are. Like Quickly's, a, Quickly's like a little herky jerky. He does like Maxi like gets to the rim. Like Quickly can't get to the rim in the fashion that Maxi no, does. No, but you're but Maxi doesn't do what Quickly does defensively. So when you have those two other guys, there's a there's a really nice balance there. And then I wouldn't play DiVincenzo with him if, because I mean, really quickly, it just start the best as we, again, back, it's start the best lineup. The Knicks best lineup is Brunson, quickly, Hart, Randall, Hardenstein. And especially with Mitch out right now. And you want, so you want those two defenders and better rebounders with the starting lineup. So like having Hart come in and do some of the little things that Mitch was maybe doing with the deflections, the rebounding, it's a different type of defense, but, and then having your two best perimeter defenders just complements what you need more now because Mitch is out where Mitch was covering some of that stuff up. And even, but let's be honest, even the last couple of games before Mitch get hurt, got hurt, he wasn't able yeah, to but, cover it all up. Yeah, so, yeah. and I just think quickly is I like Grimes. I think he's getting underutilized right now and should be 100%. playing more, but quickly is at, he, at this point quickly has just produced more than him. So he should be rewarded for that. And I also think Randall and Brunson, which is, this is kind of a flip from the past. I think Randall, especially the two man game with him and quickly is better than it's ever been. Like he's doing, he's not doing full blown the Bullock and Fournier stuff that he used to, but he's, I feel like maybe this is just antidotal and there's no factual basis to back this up, but I feel like he trusts him more and he moves him the ball more than he has in past years, which is eye test watching them play. Yeah. I mean, I just think that like, look, these guys, they're not stupid. Like they, they're on the floor. Like they, they feel the things we like, they, they feel what we are seeing. Right. So like you can see with Julius at times this year where he would like, pass the ball to Grimes and he's like dude shoot the fucking ball like what yeah. the fuck are you doing and he'll pass the ball to quickly and he might feel like because we know quickly sometimes has this habit of like let me pump fake and then he does, like, does. and yeah. he might feel like shoot the fucking ball but I think he also understands like okay but if quick doesn't shoot the ball and puts the ball on the deck like he can still make something happen like like something can something good might be happening out of this possession still I think there's a trust like that I think the fact that like Quick, I mean, like at the end of the day, Quick's just it's he's earned it. Like he has earned this now for four years. Like he has been a plus contributor since the day he entered the NBA, which is not like this is not common. Like it is not common to draft somebody at 25th overall who immediately features in a rotation and it doesn't just feature in a rotation, but is like actually improving the baseline of your team. That is not common. And he's done it basically at a high level since his second year in the league. Like even when he shoots like shit, he does things that improve your team. And like to bring it back to, you know, what you're talking about in terms of Hart and DiVincenzo and these guys, like for me quickly and Hart, are they the best players in the team? No, 
But I think in a lot of ways, they're the most important players because they connect groups in ways that nobody else on this roster quite does. Like, Quentin Grimes does some things in an, as an on-ball defender. Nobody else on this team has the capability of doing I 100% agree and believe with that. But I also think Grimes, his impact as a team defender is never quite at the level of a quickly or a heart because defense is more than just like, what can you do like in a 1v1 situation against X player? It's it's about, okay, yeah, you can do that. But if I swing the ball to this guy, how do you, like you're playing with, like, let's say you're playing with Brunson, right? Grimes playing with Brunson a lot of times. Okay, teams hunt Brunson. How do you how do you help Brunson overcome his mismatch and not give up an open shot on the perimeter, or at least making it difficult for a team to find that stuff? And those are things that are not like it's easy to say like they're not intuitive, or they are intuitive rather. They're not just like executing X's and O's. They they are partially like playing above scheme. And guys, like I don't think Josh Hart's some lockdown defender, but I do think that he has a he has a knack for understanding like, okay, like, oh, they want to make the, like, he's about to make this pass right there. Let me make this rotation. Let me, let me get a block. Let me get a steal, whatever it is. I think quickly is better at pre-reading plays. I think Hart is better at reacting in the moment. And I don't think Grimes necessarily has either of those. What he has is a different skill and it, and it is valuable. And I don't want to minimize that because we saw the value of it in the playoffs very specifically last year. And that was real. The, like the, that... the difference between Hart and Grimes in the playoffs yeah. and then Tibbs ignoring it because Josh Hart has more size than Grimes. Well, also and... because he just wants to like marry Josh Hart. Yeah. Which I, I can't <laughs> like Hart's really, Hart's really good. Hart's and, awesome. I love Hart. Yeah, yeah, and it's, him. it's kind of funny that him getting overused, it kind of negates some of his value because that come quick is again, it's just, it's, a, it's quickly like quickly has just earned this. And maybe we're wrong. i like, maybe we're wrong. And if you play quick, quickly 35 minutes a game, he doesn't end up being as good. So I don't want to be like tips. I want to be like, okay, there's the possibility that my belief is wrong and it's not right, but so I would, you, you have to try it, like try it for 10 games. And if it doesn't work, try something else. And that's just, that's my biggest problem with, all of this right now is just try some shit. Like you can throw, they're good enough. They're, they're going to, if they should, they should make the playoffs in the top six, especially with Cleveland's kind of a mess. Guys are in and out of the lineup. Like they, they should be a top six team in the East. You have some space here to experiment and see if stuff is going to work. And especially right now, because right now they're winning this and the same thing as last year. While Mitch is out, they win with offense. The defense isn't as good. The rebounding's not as good. So why not take a five-game stretch and instead of playing Taj, play Randall with four guards and wings and see if that works. Because the issue with it is, is, and they talked about this last year with Obi and Randall. They They didn't practice Obi and Randall ever playing together. And it would work. Like, I remember that Sixers game. They came yeah, back. It yeah. was in Philly. They came back. They won. And I think that was when they talked about it. They're like, yeah, we never practiced that. So, like, they tried Randall at center. Uh, which game was it? It was a couple games ago. Oh. Um, they, they, whatever it was. But it was the next game. That's game. Next yeah. Game. They gave up a couple offensive rebounds. And I was like, oh, fuck. We're never seeing that again. Yep. But I'm 
betting. By the way, Daron Sharp is one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. So it's yes, like, that, but <laughs> I bet you they have never practiced Randall at center because Tibbs is only only going to grind on the things he wants to use. So what would happen if you actually spent some time practicing that and then tried it in games for for a week and be like, all right, I'm going to give this the bench minutes for the next week. 12 to 15 if, minutes a game and see how like, it I'm works. gonna give it three minutes a half. Give it I'm gonna give it three minutes a half. I think you gotta yeah, I think you gotta do a little longer than that right. to actually see like three minutes just is too much fluky stuff. But even yeah. say they do it for five minutes in the first half, they get smashed on the glass and it's untenable against that team. All right, don't do it in the second half. Go back to Taj and see what happens. So that's just there's times like I understand. I actually even understand the lineup stuff. Like you want guys to play together. Like there's logic to that. It makes sense getting comfortable with players. But you just you have to have some flexibility and try some different stuff too. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.